You're listening to the On The Go with VAO News podcast for the week ending March 11th, 2016. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This is our weekly recap of the top headlines from this week's daily acquisition news. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Bill Olver, VAO content developer and senior news writer. And I'm Dara Curran, content developer and fellow news writer. The General Services Administration has selected Bill Zielinski to serve as director of their Office of Strategic Programs, as well as Information Technology Category Executive. In the latter role, he will oversee areas such as hardware, software, telecommunications, IT services, and the solutions within those categories at GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. Zelensky formerly was Chief Information Officer at the Social Security Administration and led the agency oversight team at the Office of the Federal Chief Information Officer. In contract award news, GSA has awarded 33 contracts, 24 of which went to small businesses, under its Building Maintenance and Operations, or BMO, Zone 1 Strategic Sourcing Solution, which provides federal agencies with easy access to services to keep their facilities shipshape, including janitorial and landscaping services, pest control, electrical maintenance, and elevator and HVAC maintenance. BMO and BMO Small Business each have a contract ceiling of $15 billion with a five-year base period of performance. Zone 1 contracts will service agencies in Maryland, Virginia, D.C., New York, New Jersey, Delaware, and Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, with additional zones added later this year. The Department of Veterans Affairs has awarded 21 firms places on its five-year, $22.3 billion Transformation 21 Total Technology Next Generation, or T4NG, contract, which provides for a variety of information technology service solutions, including tech support, cybersecurity, and health-related IT requirements. The awardees include nine large businesses, 10 service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses, and two small businesses. The Air Force has announced the names of the seven major subcontractors that will work with Northrop Grumman to construct key components of its new long-range strike bomber. Pratt & Whitney will manufacture the engine, and airframe and mission systems will be delivered by BAE Systems, GKN Aerospace, Rockwell Collins, Spirit Aerosystems, Orbital ATK, and Janicki Industries. And the Army has scuttled its planned $4 billion follow-on to its infrastructure modernization contract, which would have provided IT infrastructure modernization and expansion for both the Army and DOD. The Army cited changes to requirements as the reason for its decision. Defense Procurement and Acquisition Policy Director Claire Grady has issued an updated list of the federal prison industry's product categories to be competed. The new requirements are effective on April 7th, and a full list of those federal supply classification codes are available in our news coverage of the memorandum, to which you will find a link on the podcast page, or on DPAP's website. In regulatory news this week, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration has published a final rule amending its regulations to reassign the role of agency suspending and debarring official, and that will change from the Assistant Administrator for Procurement to the Agency Deputy General Counsel, effective April 8, 2016. And this final rule also corrected a typographical error in the NFS. 
Two final rules were issued in Federal Acquisition Circular 2005-87 on last Monday, effective April 6th. One final rule amends the FAR to expand reporting to the Federal Awardee Performance and Integrity Information System, or FAPIS, to include information on any immediate owner or subsidiary and all predecessors of an offeror that held a federal contract or grant within the past three years. The goal is to provide a more comprehensive understanding of the performance and integrity of a corporation before it is awarded a federal contract. A proposed rule published December 4, 2014 is adopted as final without change. Effective March 7th, a second final rule amends the FAR to make editorial corrections to 48 CFR Parts 4, 22, 25, 36, and 52. And so the White House has been on a real tear the last week or so with new policy, uh, both draft and final, uh, related to IT. The administration seems very determined to put its stamp on federal IT buying, and with only 10 months to go until the next president takes office, the White House isn't letting any time go to waste. Last week, we talked about OMB's draft guidance for data center optimization, which builds on the data center consolidation effort, uh, where that initiative focused on reducing real estate and the number of physical systems agencies own. The optimization policy will require agencies to develop a strategy for getting the most out of their infrastructure, and that means areas like energy efficiency, using cloud solutions, and interagency shared services. But agencies still aren't off the hook for consolidation. They have to continue reducing the applications or systems and databases, in part by moving to being more virtual. And the administration is getting ready to implement a six-month freeze on any new data centers or expanding existing ones, unless you can make a really good case to OMB. The guidance also focuses on my favorite, energy efficiency. Agencies will be required to install automated energy metering tools and to use them to collect and report data center usage to OMB, which will monitor centers' energy efficiency using a power usage effectiveness, or PUE, metric. Agencies also need to use automated monitoring, inventory, and management tools for collecting and reporting systems, software, and hardware inventory. And they must include automated infrastructure management requirements for all new data center service contracts, or procurement vehicles. GSA will be putting together a contract for these tools, which agencies will be required to use, unless, again, they can make the case for another vehicle. Oh, sneaking in a little category management. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. so on Thursday this week, OMB issued another policy draft, and this one is encouraging the use of open source software code. Now, in the draft, OMB notes that when agencies need customized software code, they aren't always able to share it with other agencies. Um, and even when the data rights are clear, agencies don't make the code available or usable to other agencies. And so to address this and cut back on contract duplication and spending, the administration is proposing that agencies use open source software code as much as possible. This is a really good idea. This is building compatibility in uh, like kind yes. of from the ground up. I mean, think about DOD and VA, right? <laughs> the huge, massive right. effort of like getting the records They're to talk to each team. other. Right. So, yep. okay, using open source, uh, open source code and reusing custom developed code, it can get agencies out of being locked into a single vendor. It can decrease uh, duplicative costs, uh, make things more transparent, and make it easier to integrate large blocks of code from multiple sources into one system like Legos. Uh, making open source code available to the public, moreover, can provide benefits to the government when a broader community of 
users implements the code for its own purposes, publishes bugs and improvements, and people like to get their fingers in there and you know improve things just to just to help and you know for their own ego, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, well, yes, yes, and for their own use. Now, specifically, this draft policy says that agencies should first evaluate existing alternatives, including federal shared services or reusable source code uh, before they develop any custom code. Now, if no existing solution will meet the current requirement, the agency should then consider the viability of commercial off-the-shelf solutions. Mm -hmm. And then, finally, they they can pursue an agreement to develop new customized code. Uh, Further, to allow agencies to reuse custom-developed source code purchased by another office or another agency, contracts must require vendors to deliver the underlying custom source code documentation and related files and must secure unlimited rights to these deliverables, including the rights to reproduce, reuse, and distribute the custom code across government. And finally, the draft guidance creates a pilot program that would require agencies to release at least 20% of their newly developed custom code uh, with a focus on code that is potentially useful to the broader community. All new custom code developed by federal employees in the course of their jobs also shall be released to the public Hmm. and the policy encourages but does not require that existing custom developed source code created by third-party developers or vendors for the government should be retroactively made available for government-wide reuse or as open source software. For code developed by federal employees in the course of their official duties, which obviously has no copyright and is available lock, stock, and barrel to the government, Mm. OMB encouraged agencies to apply this policy retroactively to the extent practical. Uh, OMB also encourages agencies to participate in open source communities and to leverage public crowdsourcing to get additional benefits from suggested alterations, proposed uses, and uh, other ideas for participating coders. Nice. Now, of course, the policy will not apply to source code developed for national security systems. Let's leave those in as an yes. exception, shall we? That's good. <laughs> it That's also good. also doesn't apply. Think it to- ahead. <laughs> It also uh, exempts software code whose development was not paid for by the federal government, even if later procured by the government. That would be things like common off-the-shelf solutions. Comments no, on no the... giving away Microsoft Word. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Comments on the draft guidance can be submitted via GitHub issues, and direct changes and line edits can be submitted through a pull request by clicking Edit This Page. Suggestions and comments also may be submitted directly to the Federal Chief Information Officer at sourcecode at omb.eop.gov. Yes, and the draft guidance on data center optimization also is on GitHub for comment, and you can find links to those in the VAO page where you downloaded this podcast. Um, now, those are the draft policies, and now we get to the must-do policy. Mm-hmm. On March 9th, OFPP Administrator Ann Rung and Federal CIO Tony Scott issued guidance on establishing acquisition innovation labs. We have covered these types of labs in the news and on the podcast, sometimes under different names, though, always with the same basic intent. Possibly the most recognized would be uh, Department of Health and Human Services, their Buyers Club. Yes, There's, there are several, several goals. Times, yeah. Right, yeah. There are uh, several goals that are related to the Acquisition Innovation Labs. They will help agencies with digital acquisitions. It's a very tricky area for a lot of people. And newer contracting techniques like agile development, also fairly tricky (laughs) if you haven't done it before. They'll also serve as a training and mentoring resource for their agencies. 
The effort will help develop and support cross-functional teams with procurement, program, and technical expertise, and support provisions in the Federal Information Technology Acquisition Reform Act related to the creation of specialized IT acquisition cadres. Now, to establish effective acquisition labs, Rung and Scott direct agencies to take a few actions. Uh, by March 31st, 2016, agencies should identify an acquisition innovation advocate, an AIA, who will encourage the testing of new ideas and better ways of executing existing practices and will help share best practices and lessons learned. AIAs also will participate in a council to be led by OMB through which they will discuss the status of their projects and share best practices across government. By May 2nd, OMB does want agencies to have their acquisition labs set up or to uh, make sure that any existing lab is built for optimal results. Now, labs should provide a clear path for testing and documenting new acquisition practices uh, they should facilitate fresh perspectives on existing practices, and they should help programs and IPTs execute acquisition practices. Now, the specific nature of the lab is less important than whether it aligns with these principles. Hmm. Agencies also are invited to participate in the Digital Acquisition Innovation Lab Pilot Program. Now, under this program, agencies will be given help standing up their labs, and they will also identify one or more cross-functional teams to receive coaching on digital services acquisitions for at least two acquisitions within the agency. In return, those teams will provide ongoing internal support for other agency IPTs. And also to the maximum extent practical, agencies should share information through the innovation hallway on GSA's acquisition gateway. OMB says this step is specifically intended to make the gateway the go-to place for acquisition know-how and research. Mm -hmm. So that ties the guidance back into category management. Uh, labs also are encouraged to work with OMB to enhance tools for government-wide use and build related resources and to offer continuous learning points to acquisition professionals who help develop these tools. Nice. And I, I have to say, I love the, these policies that we see coming out always have a sharing and giving back component, a paying it yeah. forward thing. And I, I do like, I mean, it's smart to reuse the knowledge that you've just disseminated that way, but that's also, it also appears to my, my sense of sharing and fairness. <laughs> so, <laughs> but there is a lot of going on with OMB. These guys are just there. We haven't had a lot of policy guidance since that flurry back with Fatara and category management policy at the end of last year, right? right. But clearly the administration is just pedal to the metal and uh they're they're just not stopping no no it doesn't look like it and one thing i also want to point out i like your like your comment about the sharing um in this aspect i think is is really positive and laudable just from a policy standpoint the administration's working very hard to weave all of this guidance together and link it back to other initiatives, you know, for example, in the innovation lab guidance, you know, we have callbacks to Fatera with the IT cadres mm -hmm. and also to category management. Um, in the data center guidance, uh, you know, Fatera specifically addresses data center consolidation and the administration is using the optimization effort to add another contract to that must use list. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've seen some of these contracts coming out that agencies are required to use and there, some of them are kind of specific and probably small dollar value, you know, energy measuring, you know, with the data center optimization. Also, there's been some cyber tools, uh, that are, that are mandatory use. But, you know, we also had that guidance last fall. Uh, requiring agencies to buy the personal computers from just a handful of GWAX. So, you know, kind of slowly but surely, the agent, the administration is getting agencies in the habit of buying 
more stuff from fewer contracts, mm-hmm. um, you sharing and collaborating, like you said, and, and also pushing people to use GSA's hallways as their go-to source for solutions and expertise. Mm-hmm. So the clock's ticking, uh, but the White House is burrowing in, not with people, but with its IT and acquisition policies. So yeah. tons of activity. And speaking of the clock, that is it for us for this week. If you're a government agency subscriber to the Virtual Acquisition Office website, you'll find links to this week's headlines for further reading on VAO on the very same page where you downloaded the podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us again for the next Daily News podcast on March 18th. Goodbye.